Oh, Al. Listen, if I don't make it, I want you to, um, I want you to find my wife and tell her I love her, okay? Can you do that, Al? Sure, John, but come on, you can tell her that yourself when you get out of there. Oh, Al. I got glass in my feet. Okay, okay, John, look. You gotta stay calm, buddy. You gotta be focused. Shh. Yeah. Yeah, John. Knock, knock. Who's there? Terrorists. Terrorists who? Dead terrorists. Did you just kill a terrorist? Why don't you just shoot them when you see them, John? I love my wife! Shooting all the chandeliers in the building! Why are there chandeliers in an office building? <laughs> I ran out of jokes, I'm a hostage instead. You're listening to TV Ate My Dinner. My name is Sean, and I'm sitting here with Brooks and Greg. Hey, everybody. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, why like, I'll wait for you, he waits for me, and I was like... Why can't we get together on this? We do this. <laughs> Same every show. Well, tonight we're going to just... Uh, I'm Greg. <laughs> yeah, let's let's chalk it up to Skype lag. Okay. Tonight we're going to do another free form because we don't have anything super prepared. But but there are a couple things we'd like to address. One of which is the writer's strike, which I'm sure is a, on the uh, minds of all the big entertainment on fans the out there. Of America. <laughs> because you know writing is what keeps TV going. God knows if have you watched TV lately? Superb writing. Superb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really, exactly. Where would I love New York be without without or that uh, that new game show where you have to remember the lyrics oh yeah two two new game shows this is my favorite thing that fox will do because uh, <laughs> this is what the writers strike why i'm against it anyway but when another network will have a reality show fox will just go good idea <laughs> make one just like it <laughs> yeah. like because i think they called it the singing bee or something like that yeah I- on nbc with joey fat one or whatever and then like Six months later, Fox has one that's called "Remember the Words" or some not like they don't, don't even try don't to be clever. Like, don't forget what, the lyrics yeah. with Wayne Brady, right? Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. with Wayne Brady. <laughs> and what's funny about this is is that uh, a while ago, when this first started, when the reality TV shows first started, and they started doing that. Some other network tried to sue them. I guess it was the Contender. They did like a, whoever did that. They did a a boxing show, and then Fox came around. They said, we'll do a boxing show, and they tried to sue them. And the courts were basically like, "There's nothing to sue. Like you don't have anything written down for the show. It's not <laughs> yeah. an intellectual property. It's not. It's not written. It's an idea. You came up with an idea and started cameras rolling. There's no copyright on that." So basically, the courts determined that there was no actual merit to reality shows. Like, it's okay if you steal it because it's a piece of crap. Well, that's kind of what's scary to me about these about this writer strike is that you know it's the, exactly they, what's scary. They better watch it because if you know Fox, those guys don't care. I mean, they'll just come up with some you know, you know, bowling no for dollars kind of show and not you know. The- that's where these guys kill me. It's like half of of your of the work of writers has already been replaced with these damn reality shows, and you guys go on strike so you can get residuals from webisodes or some crap. Mm-hmm. And all that's going to happen in your absence isn't that TV's going to fold. They're just going to come up with more of these crappy reality shows. Yep. And if the ratings hold, 
then they just won't have as many scripted shows next year. They'll be like, well, why should we bother with these writers? They're kind of needy and demanding. We'll just make shows that don't require writers because people apparently eat it up. We'll make more Fear Factor and I Love New York. Man, they're going to kill off my cartoons. Makes me mad. All the shows that are worth watching are going to go off the air. But they'll continue to make shows without writers. So all that's going to happen is that the slots are going to be filling with these substandard shows, which have been proven to actually pull as many dollars in some cases as scripted shows. Maybe these reality shows will kill themselves off. Maybe the the quality will sink so low that there'll be a backlash eventually. Well, there probably would be. I'm starting to believe that can't happen. (laughs) I thought that would happen when Survivor came out, you know? I thought that would happen when, you know, I thought these things peaked a long time ago. But apparently there is there is no bottom. I think I think there is a bottom. I think uh, uh, I mean, because I mean, if you really Survivor and, and some of those types of shows are those are are not the worst of the worst. I mean, yeah, they're, they're not my cup of tea. But, you know, if you're going to watch a reality show, something like Survivor is a decent show. But when you start getting into things like Kid Nation, which is kind of like a, you know, Survivor type of show. But it's kids in a in a western town, and I'm like, and there's all kinds of controversy because that thing went Lord of the Flies before they even aired it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, uh, you know, that's that's what's going to happen to reality shows one of these days. Somebody's going to get hurt. And uh, or the Hills, all these shows drive me crazy. What's that? How, how how the Hills and stuff like that? How many times can you watch rich spoiled kids act like asses? I know. And yeah. not get bored. We're with done that? worshiping celebrity. Now we're just going to worship money directly. Well. <laughs> you know, oh. so yeah, they better watch it because, uh, you know, I definitely, at least for a while, you know, television can survive on this reality TV crap. And, uh, and yeah, the writers will end up, you know, starving for a year or so while, while all that happens if they, if they piss them off enough. Well, thankfully movies can't be reality yet. They haven't found a way to well, make a reality movie. Yeah, but the, 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 the actors are really are really using this to their advantage because they're going to have a sympathy strike, what, scheduled for next summer or something? Like, they're not striking right away. So all that's happened is that the studios in a panic are greenlighting all kinds of movies that aren't ready to sort of pad out. And they're starting to put a lot of movies in production that are going to be crappy because they're rushing them. Like the Justice League movie is a big example. Big movie they had lined up. But they want to have it ready for like 2009 summer. Which means they got to start shooting, so they don't have all the people lined up that they want. So they're just going to shoot without them. You know, no Christian Bale as Batman, no Brandon Routh as Superman. They're just going to fill in the costumes with whoever they can get, because they want to put the thing on film before everybody goes on strike. Maybe I should go out for that. <laughs> I can. I need to work out a little. <laughs> I don't think I haven't heard where they've cast Aquaman yet. <laughs> well, I can't even swim, so uh, that's probably out for me. I've never ridden an actual seahorse before. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure you know how movies are made. I don't know that I can command animals with my mind. <laughs> I don't even know how to use a trident. Nor do I have blonde hair. You know what I think they ought to do? I, if, if the studios were smart, they they would try to uh, uh, maybe replay some of the shows that didn't make it, but which had some critical acclaim. Absolutely, man. Play Firefly again. There's room for it now. Yeah, really. When when holes maybe it'll catch on the second time around. Exactly. Family Guy got canceled like what 15 times, and now it's their one of their biggest hits. Yeah, but people know you. If they went that way, they'd have to go with something they hadn't aired before at all. I don't think that's true. I think it's true. I think 
I, I don't think they're going to pull up something like Firefly. I mean, like Studio 60 and that kind of stuff. I don't think. Uh, well, I mean, they, they won't they won't do it. But I think it would be cool if they could because. Yeah, they are. They already have it. It's already paid for. It would cost yeah, them nothing. Because in terms now, of production. I mean, the show, the, the only reason why, you know, a lot of times that they fail anyway is because they just didn't find their audience. Well, you know, the audience is looking for something now. So maybe they'll, you Here, know, if they was to run Here's it. what they should do and probably what they will do to some degree, especially in movies is this would be a good time for a resurgence of independent creators because, you know, who cares if, if the guilds aren't behind you, you can make movies without guilds. You come to Georgia, Georgia's, Georgia's a, a, a union free state. You don't have to have a union here. They could come make movies and TV shows here all day long. If they wanted, they don't want to upset the unions, but it happens when the last strike was, was looming and it didn't happen, but they were starting to think in terms of that, who can we get that's not that's not a union person? Because the show must go on, you know? But I say that every time there's a big strike, when, when athletes go on strike, I say that it's like, man, fire them all. <laughs> Just start a team out with the replacements, you know? Start, start a team, bring, bring them up from the minors, bring on new uh, guys. I mean, There's people who would love to have these opportunities. I hate... I don't want to bag on on the unions on the writers because I understand that they do have like certain legitimate points, like because there is a lot of money to be made and they want to make sure they get their share. But at the same time, you got a studio that's putting all the money into this stuff. Studios like let's try to find some internet outlet where we can promote this show. So they make like these webisodes and these minisodes and these phonisodes and whatever else, and it's really just a promotion. For the show. And then somehow this starts to generate revenue. And all of a sudden these writers are like, wait, that's my creation. I should be getting a piece of that. Like, well, when it was just to promote the show, you weren't willing to put a piece in to fund it when it was just advertising. But now you want a piece because it, it generates money. You want a piece of the profit, but you're never in for a piece of, of the overhead. And I don't agree with that. I agree with guys like George Lucas who like, I want to make that movie. So I funded it all, you know. Robert Rodriguez is like, I directed this movie with Frank Miller, and he's the creator of the original work. I'm going to credit him as a co-director. He gets kicked out of the Directors Guild, you know, because he's he's doing what he thinks is is right for the work, and I and I respect that. But you got these writers who, you know, that a lot of these people are starting to use the guild as a way to make more and more money, and like, where is the return? It's a nightmare for these studios. People act like, well, they're billion-dollar corporations all the time. But the way these these movies cost so much money now because writers are getting million-dollar salaries on movies. Actors are getting multi-million-dollar salaries. Directors are. Producers are. There's no money to make the movie. Movies are costing $200, 300000000 million before they even get to the theater, and that costs money too. And then the, – so the studio has to make a yeah. billion dollars worldwide to turn a tidy profit. Back in the day, either that or they, and they had to usually have to spend a fifty million dollar yeah. uh, marketing budget. Hundred million dollars used to be a respectable take for a movie. Now movies have to make like a hundred million dollars in the first two weekends, or they're saying, "Oh, it's not doing as well as we expected." It's like, well, you're expecting too much, and that's the truth of it. It's been, oh man, <laughs> well these guys really make me shy. crazy. Ben Affleck's doing a PSA that don't download a movie or the script girl could lose her job. Meanwhile, he's pulling in twenty million dollars. Help her out. She's trying to sp- she's trying to pay off her student loan. Why don't you give a little? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I know. I'm. He could go fund a bunch <laughs> of movies on his own, like small movies. 
You could buy our script. We have a script. I'm an ass because I won't buy. I won't buy a $20 DVD, when in fact I actually do. But if I decided to download a movie rather than spend the $10, then she's not going to be able to pay for her school. But the whole production shuts down because his agent is demanding he gets $30 million. Not him in particular. I don't know what they demand for his take, but big movie stars. It's probably not $30 million anymore. <laughs> well, the $20 million club was like – that was the mark for a while. When you were a successful actor, you were considered part of the $20 million yeah. club. Like a good movie should cost $20 million, period. If I were making movies and someone said so-and-so wants $20 million, it's like, well, send him home because <laughs> that's my whole budget. Man, that, it's obscene, isn't it? It's obscene how much money is in the world. Going into things like it's this, it's obscene where the ba- where the balance what is. Do we think like twenty million dollars. That's like a Mega Millions lottery winner, and it's and you know what? Because he can draw in some audiences for this movie. Those guys it's are crazy. going on strike. I guess because I'm so They're poor. Going on strike because it's not enough. And yeah, and what's crazy to me to me about it is that does that necessarily work anymore? You know, does does having a big name actor necessarily? Not necessarily, because there's so many gross, of them, uh, it, it, so many it, big it, actors out yeah. there, you know, and they make flops yeah. all the time. That's the Travolta syndrome, man. I get, I get, I just it boggles my mind how many movies he makes that uh, they don't seem to be making that much money. But he's part of the twenty million dollar club. Affleck's had a few stinkers under his belt. You know, they're not giving these guys money based on how well they pick a script. Like Matt Damon puts some thought into a script and he tends to make movies that are consistently good, consistently money making and consistently, you know, critically well received. That guy should be getting paid more because he's trying. He's not just taking every job he's offered and still wanting the same pay. Like Vin Diesel, man, he's always asking for more money. It's like, what have you done? What did you do? Yeah, and where's he been last two or three years? He's probably priced himself out of the market. What was the gross of your last two or three movies? What were his last two or three movies? I mean, he... Yeah, The Pacifier. This guy makes Triple X, and then he's too good to make a sequel. <laughs> like, I don't think we'll ever capture lightning in a bottle like we did with the original Triple X. I don't want to go mess with the formula. <laughs> Now that we're speaking of action, let me let me jump tracks a little bit because we've had this conversation. We've bitched about this plenty. <laughs> I just saw um, Die Hard, the new one. Okay, what did you think? I actually did like it better than I thought I would. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It, it of course, was over the top, ridiculously so, in many many ways. But I didn't. I didn't. It didn't. The over the topness didn't bother me. Have you seen it, Greg? No, I haven't seen it yet. You should see it. It's a lot of fun. Well, it is. Yeah, it looks cool. I, I just haven't seen it. The only part that really just like I couldn't handle, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach over top the top wise was the uh, the part with the plane. Well, yeah. Well, obviously, that's where it's like we've <laughs> it just was, given up was, because it's sort of. I mean, that was beyond. I guess you just beyond. can't make a movie like Die Hard and come back with the same kind of formula because what made Die Hard cool was it was over the top. I mean, for for what it was for us to believe he's just some regular guy, it was over the top. Yeah, but it, you were still in it. We were still grounded enough where everything that happened die hard. You're like, oh lord, I can't. He's gonna do what? He's climbing down the elevator shaft using the machine gun as a grappling yeah. hook kind of thing. <laughs> like, God, this seems, seems like a dumb idea. This doesn't seem like a good idea. I think they just, man, they 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 try so hard to top 
themselves every movie that it gets to the point where it's it's cartoonish it's looney tunes all of a sudden yeah and computers are making it worse cuz they can do anything they want there'll never be another die hard in that respect die hard just i mean it just created a formula that no one else has been able to replicate, even in the other Die Hard movies. I like two pretty well. That was pretty I thought two was a lot of people don't like two, like they thought, but I thought two did the best job of being a Die Hard sequel of any movie because it tried to capture that I'm trapped in a certain situation and and I'm the only one that you know can do anything. Two bothered me because of yet again it involved a plane. And, you know, exploding and flying 200 feet through the air over a huge fireball. That kind of stuff's just a little bit much. But I have a pet peeve, actually, that this movie brought back that, that I've been meaning to talk about for a long time. Because it comes up over and over again. And, and Die Hard... The fourth one? The fourth Die Hard is... is I can't remember. What's it called? Live Free or Die Hard or something like that? <laughs> free yeah. It's another great example in this movie, okay? And I'm going to speak up for... If any of you out there are security guards, this is for you. I once worked as a security guard for a brief time, and pet peeve of mine, every movie that has security guards in it, those guys get butchered mercilessly like it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. And Die Hard, there's like six different scenes where the bad guys pull up, they take silence or sound, just boom, boom, boom. All the, all the security guards, dead. Nothing. And then in that same movie, there's a scene where the jet pilot who's an American hero because he's a jet pilot for the Navy or whatever. He blows up a bridge, just destroys an entire bridge. God knows how many people died in that scene. He has to eject <laughs> because, you know, he's taken out by the mighty, you know, Bruce Willis. And they, they, they actually show there's a scene where they literally show him parachuting down so that we know he's safe because we don't want to think <laughs> that the pilot died. He's, he's an American hero. But they, there are other scenes where the security guards get shot, and then McLean comes into the room, and it shows them dead, just to remind you that, yeah, these guys are dead. <laughs> no one cares about the security guards. I feel so bad for them. I can, I can defend this. In these one are people respect, only as a, as a story convention. The the problem is that they never make movies where the security guard is an actual character. The reason that always happens in movies is because they want to be able to explain for naysayers. It's like, why is he the only one in the building that can help? Well, all the security guards are dead. <laughs> yeah, but you know <laughs> what they why. never do? <laughs> like, so we, have, we can't say they all have Christmas off because it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> well, that's probably going to be – that's probably going to be Die Hard Five. Is you know he ends up losing his job and and he becomes a security guard and you know and then they're going to attack the building that he's guarding. They're just perpetuating that security guards are somehow second class citizens because they don't show them killing police officers. In fact, well, this movie they there were a couple of cops that got killed well, actually. See, those those are American heroes. Too, not to put too fine a point on it, Brooks, but you said yourself you were a security guard. I mean, they're not hiring action heroes as security guards. The movies are sort of accurate. God knows if they're hiring you, bro. I mean, if, <laughs> if any one of us. Well, I want to tell you, you're not the only person I know who's worked as a security guard. You know, some of the people. And they were all fat bastards, too. <laughs> yeah, they were not. They were not Bruce Willis either. So that means they deserve to get shot with a silencer and piled up in a big, a big torso heap by the front door. Damn straight, man. What I'm saying is that's why they never make action movies where the security guard is the one thing they never thought of because they think of the I don't mind guard. that the security guards are not able to stop the terrorists but I don't think you should just kill them mercilessly and, and without acting like it's a, ba a big deal you know what I mean 
we had a here's how you could do this it's more dramatic this way but here's the reality of this we in and you and you know this because you worked there but there was a like you told me this story where a guy we know worked as a security guard and he did actually see where someone was breaking in and he went into the security office locked all the doors and called the cops That would be easy to do in a movie rather than have them all killed. Just they go hide under the desk for the whole movie. Man, uh, they should. That would make me feel better. That's what really happens. That's realistic, you know? Instead, they're just like, hey, you can't be in here. Dead. There's some honor in it, though, for these. They're acting in the movies like the security guards have to die in order for them to not get in the way. And that's not true in real life at all. Yeah, they'd probably just pull a gun on the guy and he would cooperate completely. Most of the places. I've worked in places where it was the security guards who were, you know, stealing the stuff, you know. That's that's the next movie. Totally the next movie. John McClane loses his job, becomes a security guard. Terrorists attack the building. And then gets killed in the first scene because security guards always die. And it's just gonna be it's just gonna be him it's gonna be him and this you know, this other little plucky, you know, other security guard, young guy. LaBeouf. That was yeah, yeah, Shia LaBeouf Just, is going to play the other security well, guard yeah. who was hiding oh, under the yeah, desk, and John right. McClane pulls him out, and they have action adventure type stuff. Well, they could do that because he, he always does end up with some goony sidekick. He had like a chauffeur driver was a sidekick in the first well, one. Well, he's got a he's got to crack yeah. jokes with somebody. <laughs> There's a funny oh, what is it called? I think the site is called GregandLou.com. I want to say that's right, but you can find them on YouTube too. And they did like a die. They do some pretty funny skits and they did a die hard parody. And that's all the thing was where he's on the guy's like, Hey, yeah. And cracks a joke before he shoots a terrorist. <laughs> and they're like, wait, he, he always sets him up with the joke. He's like, how many terrorists does it take to screw in a light bulb? It's like, John, are you about to kill another terrorist? <laughs> Just shoot him. You don't have to wait. Ask how many. <laughs> I love my wife. And then he just says, I love my wife. <laughs> those guys, I, I saw a couple of things they did and they're pretty funny. So maybe those kind of guys will start getting work now that the writer's guild is striking. You go to YouTube, there's funny people all over the place. This makes me so mad. Yeah, man, like us. Because there's funny people wall to wall. There's people funnier than us. Oh, come on now. You know, that, and they do skits and the skits are funny. They do little sketches and stuff, and and you know the production quality is what it is because they're shooting it themselves. But it's pretty good considering they're shooting it themselves. But the writing is solid. If I was in Hollywood right now and those guys went on strike before doing like the seventh season of The Shield or whatever, I w- I would just start looking on YouTube. It's like go on strike. <laughs> Hold on, let me Google your replacement. Man, and there are dudes like us. Because I don't have to look far. <laughs> they would work for peanuts. You know what I mean? And be happy yeah. to do it. Be thrilled to do it. For, but happy bunch of scabs. I'll cross that line today. That's the danger of because going on strike. Because I think they've lost sight. When of, you have a job that millions of people would love to have, that's the danger of going on strike. Because you know yeah. there are people waiting in the wings. It's just like the athletes, man. Yeah, same with baseball I know players it's not, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Being a professional athlete is hard, and there are dangers and there are risks. Being working in Hollywood, working on movies and TV and all that stuff, you know, it's a 24 7 kind of job. I get that, you know, and there's always the danger that you're going to put in like your life's blood into something and get a pittance in return. But that's not necessarily what's happening here. Man, I would, I would love, I'd love for someone to prove me wrong on this. Maybe there, there's all kinds of intricacies that I'm not getting here, but all I see is people that make pictures for a living, and they're complaining about it. And I just I can't relate to that, guys. I really can't. 
because I'm not there. Yeah. I didn't get that shot. Yeah. And I really do feel like studio guys, I come off pro studio all the time because I think they do make a bunch of stupid mistakes, but I do think that they get marginalized as far as the things they have to do. These guys have to pick hits. Like you can make a crappy movie and I mean it can be good and not make money and you'll be happy because you you vindicated your art. But the studio guy who gave that the green light gets nothing from that. Yeah. You you vindicating your own art on someone else's dime doesn't help them at all. He gets fired. A good example and of that people, is um, people say you're a great director. Yeah. A good example of that is Alan Ladd Jr. He got fired after greenlining Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because because he made the deal um to to let Lucas keep the the franchise rights, you know, for toys or whatever. And uh you know, of course well, Lucas, that's a failure of imagination. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, back in those days it wasn't it wasn't a big deal, but um it's like IBM letting Bill Gates keep Windows, same thing. <laughs> well, that's a complete failure of imagination. But in both those cases, perfect examples because one thing those two guys both have in common was when they found something that they thought they could they could work, they 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 did it themselves. You know, Lucas was more than happy to not take studio money. In fact, you know, the first Star Wars film is the only one that he took studio money for at all. That's why he owns all the other movies outright. Because he wasn't a big-time guy when they did Empire Strikes Back, but he had enough credibility because of the success of Star Wars. He was taking out bank loans. Nobody can take out bank loans to make a movie. They just won't do it. But because it was Star Wars, they did it for him, and he did that. He took that risk. I can always respect that because he's not sitting around going on strike or talking. He has problems with the Director's Guild, too, because of the way he makes movies. Because they don't, they don't like his, you know, his way of making movies. Because he, and that's when you earn the right to do things your way. Because you're willing to put forth the, the risk. But a lot of these guys work on the studio dime, and you're you're really rolling the dice on somebody else's money. And if it doesn't make money, you're like, oh well, it damages your ability to get more money down the road. But it doesn't cost you anything. You still got paid. And that's where I do come out in, in favor of the studios. It's not a popular opinion when people because people want to support the artist in all things but i support the artist i'm big on the artist that's why i want you to be out there producing art (laughs) if you're sitting on your hands because you don't make enough money you're not an artist well i support the artist but i also support the studio not just for money reasons but also for creative reasons i think sometimes uh you know the artist needs somebody to tell them that this isn't good you know and you can't do this because we're going to pull your money if you try it that kind of thing I mean, I think a lot of movies were saved because, you know, a lot of times the studio exec, you know, looked at something and was like, this is, this just isn't coming together. And then sure. started, you know, had to get involved. Boundaries have to be established. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times in this case of the studio, these boundaries do get established somewhat arbitrarily by a bunch of pinheads. Yeah. And I get that. I see how that's true. But boundaries have to be established. If you don't want that to happen, then you need to take your own reins. You need to be able to establish your own boundaries. But these... I don't know these self-indulgent directors and, and creators that just think everything is part of the artistic process. You know, if it weren't for the studios and if it weren't for the system, no one would ever see your movies. It wouldn't matter how awesome they were. So you have to respect the hand that feeds you in that respect, at least. 
know, it makes me mad. I just I see movies are probably the the most perfect example I can think of in television of a commercial art of how it works, mm-hmm. of how money and art can actually come together and make something that's worthwhile when it's done right. And, you know, the fact that they're always acting like they're antithetical to each other <laughs> makes me crazy. You guys feed off each other. You're both you're both collaborating we in the same process. We got to stop being so angry. We keep talking about the same things and getting mad about it. <laughs> well, you talked about this. this you, you're getting into stuff. If we talk about movies and stuff like that, it's all fun to me. It's funny. But you, this, I, I, this is personal to me because I would love to be there. I would love to be doing mm-hmm. that. And I would love to be fighting the fight for all the things that I felt were important to, to the work too. I don't, I'm not saying you should roll over and not, and not push for the things you want. You have to, but that's the process too. all sides pushing as hard as they can. This to me is America. This to me is democracy. This is all ideas coming to the table. Everybody takes something away that they didn't come in with. I can't stand people that don't want to have an argument about something that they believe in. And I don't mean a shouting match where you're trying to make the other people think what you think, but a discussion where everybody brings something in, everybody takes something out. That's that's America to me. That's why movies to me are America because that's exactly what that is. Everybody pushing for something and what you end up with isn't quite what each individual person had in mind, but that's good because that means it was collaborative. It's an amalgam, and that's based on compromise too, but but that's part of the artistic process. So did you like Die Hard? I would be I would <laughs> I did like Die Hard and I thought I wanted to see it in the theater. I thought it was Yeah, I wonder if but you know, it's hard for me to not see a Die Hard movie. Like there was still a part of me that they start playing Ode to Joy on the, the electric guitar or whatever. I'm like I do want to see this though. I do want to see another Die Hard movie. As much as and Indiana Jones will be that way too, where I'm like, that's a stupid idea. But if they start playing that theme, I'll be like, we got to go see that though. Yeah. But seriously, guys. Well, I'm all about indie, but Die Hard, I was like, I just, well, you know, you can't not see it. But that's, I wasn't looking forward to it. I think indie will be like Die Hard though. I think it'll be over the top and silly in that same way. I don't think it'll contribute to the Probably because they were already headed that way with Last Crusade. I don't want to ruin this for Greg, but what I thought was going to happen, and I was go about ahead, to crawl ahead, under I'll, the blanket and cry, was when he fell onto the jet or whatever before the guy ejected. I thought he was going to like climb his way up to the cockpit, not the guy out and fly the jet. <laughs> fly it. Because earlier he had established that he magically knows how to fly things now. <laughs> or just ride it down the ground like Slim Pickens <laughs> in 19... <laughs> <laughs> what is it in, in Dr. Strangelove? Just where he straddles it like a horse going, woo! yippee I mean, I really did think he was going to kind of steal the jet Grand Theft Auto style. I was, oh my God, I was so upset. I'm like, don't do this. Why don't don't they make a Grand Theft Auto movie? If they want to make ridiculously over-the-top action movies, just make a San Andreas movie. That would be so awesome. Oh, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. So many other video games have got movies. Why not Grand Theft Auto? They got Hitman's got a movie now. Yeah. And it looks just like the game. It's funny. They actually got all the same yeah, imagery. I admit, I'm a little bit curious about that one. I wouldn't I never mind seeing it. played the game. I do like Timothy Oliphant, who plays the the lead guy, though. And he was the bad guy in, in the Die Hard movie. He's like Viggo Mortensen. When I, when, when I first started seeing him and stuff, I thought he was cool. And then, you know, he got real big and stuff. I'd like to see that happen with Timothy Oliphant, too. Let's do an episode at some point. Um about video game movies. 
Because it's there's been enough of them now. You can do that in video and movie video games that could be made into movies and stuff. I wouldn't mind. That. Classics like Mortal Kombat. Didn't they make a Mario Brothers movie? Yes, they did. A live action one. I'd like to oh, see yeah. that. Yes, Bob did. Hoskins and John Leguizamo yep. are in it. John Leguizamo was he Luigi? Yes. He was. How strange. How strange. I'd like. I think I need to see this movie because it sounds <laughs> it sounds surreal. Dennis Hopper plays King Koopa. Man, Dennis Hopper is a whore for money. He will do anything, I swear. <laughs> I love in these new commercials. He's kind of commercials now. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's like the anti-establishment <laughs> poster child, so he's always doing this establishment stuff. So what's he, now he's selling life insurance to yuppies well, because he's so anti-establishment. He's like, we don't need yeah. their old kind of life insurance. We have this kind of life insurance. Like, it's what? a whole new generation. <laughs> Turn your dreams into the authorities <laughs> yeah. at age 65. I mean, oh my, it's so embarrassing <laughs> for everyone involved. That's funny. Ugh. He was yeah, in Waterworld. What more do you need to say? <laughs> I know. A part, a part oh, he picked God. up after John Malkovich dropped out, I think. <laughs> and John Malkovich was the bad guy in that Aragon movie. And Con Air. We should do that Ode to the character actors. Yeah, that would be a good show. I'm always bagging on people, and I don't mean to be. I, I feel like I want them to know we come from love on things. I, I guess I, I, even with these writers and all that, that's what makes me mad. It's like, I love your shows. Please don't go on strike because you're hurting yourself, too. These kind of shows will go off the air if they get too difficult for the studios to, to make. Man. God, just when we got to the point where there was some decent television, I'm on your side here. I'm I'm your voice of reason. I know a classic example of a show getting too difficult to make is Commander in Chief. Uh, the show was on two seasons ago, I believe. Was that, that Gina was, Davis? Yeah, it was Gina show. Davis playing the first woman president. And well, that's because the the executive producer wasn't prepared for the the rigors of making a TV show. They were way behind before they even started. Yeah, exactly. And the, so, you know, it ended up getting too difficult. They brought in Stephen Bochco, and he sexed it up to the point that it just got stupid. Yeah, well, that guy's that guy is really a pass fail kind of producer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for every Hill Street Blues, there's a cop rock. That guy, they're not all gold. He throws them out there and sees if they stick. Are you saying cop rock's not gold? Man, I love cop rock, but come on, <laughs> let's let's call it like it is. There's a lot of people that speak very well of cop rock. I never saw it. Man, but, uh, I don't know if there's a DVD or not, but it definitely is a show that's important in the annals of TV history because it is. You got to wonder bizarre. if that's like his joke on the world. He's like, man, these people will buy anything I say. Yeah, that's his Scientology where he's just like, guys, I can make a cop show where the cops sing. No, you can't. I can. I'm gold in this town. <laughs> yeah, Watch it. I'll do it. Watch. Speaking of a DVD set, I've got a movie from the vault. Movies from the vault. Uh, actually, it's a TV show from the vault. I was in uh, Best Buy a little while ago, and uh, um, I saw the complete series for Voyagers. Voyagers. Uh, yeah. I remember that show. <laughs> I was like, awesome. Uh, yeah, I almost bought it right there. What is Voyagers? Uh, it was like a sci-fi show on Saturday mornings where they traveled through time. It was like an educational sort of time travel show where they go back in time with like a magical timepiece or something. And they go see Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson do something or whatever. This live action. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was this guy, his, his name, they called him Phineas Fogg. I think it was the name. Which really? Take that's on the, the guy do- from around the world in 80 days. Well, that's, I know it was, it was, 
Well, his name was Phineas Bogg or something. Anyway, it was very close. Yeah, close. it probably was a Jules Verne reference, but uh, but he's a voyager. He goes around in time, you know, fixing things that goes wrong. He has his little device that he times travels with, and the, and the you know, if he gets to a place and it's blinking a red light, that means there's something wrong with history, and he has to fix it. Like John well, Hancock anyway, is sleeping in the day they sign the, the declaration. Yeah, yeah, some some lame like that. Not you know, not the Holocaust or nine eleven. Yeah, or we're anything. not going to change no. the bad thing. John Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, quickly, everyone. <laughs> but he ends up picking, mobilized. He ends up picking up this kid, and the kid is kind of smarter than he is. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so the kid a lot of times you know saves this guy's butt because he has a better knowledge of history than than the actual guy whose job it is to to fix history. And that guy sounds like that. Uh, what was that little cartoon with the dog? Peabody, the Wayback Machine. Like, yeah, and the little the little human. Yeah, it was similar kid. to that. Although Peabody did not kill himself. Why are cartoon dogs always? Am white? I wrong on that? Do you remember that? Didn't that actor actually uh, commit John suicide? Eric, John Eric Hexum actually he didn't kill himself on purpose. It was uh, he was doing another show after Voyagers called Commando. I thought it was called something else, Undercover or something like that. Yeah, it was one of those Brandon Lee kind of deals, you know, where apparently a, a live round got into a gun. And, oh, that's yeah. awful. They should never, yeah. I don't understand, like, with all the money in Hollywood, can't you guys just build fake guns that look like real guns but don't do anything but a muzzle mm-hmm. flare? I'm not anybody, but I got that much sense. And you don't point a gun at somebody. <laughs> well, not to talk up Studio 60 anymore, because I know we preach it every week. So that's one of the shows they could bring back, though. I mean, during this writer's strike, rerun Studio 60. Let it try to find its audience. I mean, as far as I know, none of those actors have found, you know, other work yet. So, I mean, I bet uh, a lot of them are signed to other things, but it's the same problem. Let's say we reran Studio 60 and then we decided we wanted to pick it up. What if they're still on strike when we decide to pick it up? It's like any other show. Well, yeah, but I mean, but they have a whole season in the can. They could run until they come up with some, until they work the strike out. Maybe help them move some DVDs. Well, yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't hurt either. So no more talk of Studio 60. I know we talk about it a great deal, but it's just a damn shame. It's like our it's like our mini Star Wars, you (laughs) and me, like somehow. But well, you know, to me, that shows you the impact of a show where it's like a show was on for a year and I can relate almost everything I'm talking to back to it. That was an insightful show. So I actually blame the audiences more than the more than the studios when it comes to shows like that. It's like, where were you? But but I some I was talking to some people on Friday about the strike, and they were saying how Ellen DeGeneres was trying to do her show all ad lib with no writers, and it was a train wreck. Oh, really? And she was just getting ripped up by the Talk Soup and these other kind of shows, you know, for trying. And that's a shame because doing an hour like we're we're ad libbing now, but we don't have any kind of real structure as far as we don't have to. And we're not doing the show every day. Can you imagine doing this show every day and just making it up as you go? That's what morning show people do. You see how that goes. Well, yeah. And it's just, you know, people, it's all we can do to not yuck it up while we're talking. Dingo and the baby. I probably come off as a morning show guy half the time. But it's a hard bit. It's hard to just go out there. I mean, these people are talented. And, you know, obviously Ellen DeGeneres is a very funny person. But just ad-libbing an hour of television every day and fitting a format, a structure, and good Lord. Well, 
we'll see how it works out. Maybe they'll come to a some kind of agreement soon. I'm sure they will, but I'm just I'm frustrated by it. I want them to come to an agreement because, but I feel like whatever agreement they reach is going to screw up all of next year, no matter what happens. Yeah, it may be too late for next year. We may have to watch a whole bunch of I love New York, and that's what I'm afraid of with these the writers going a strike. You got the only people that are doing quality work have decided to stop working. It's not like TV's going to shut down in your absence. And if you think what's going to happen is that things are going to go so poorly in your absence that they're going to beg you back, you're wrong because they'll just make more I Love New York's. Tequila Tequilas. And shows like that are vastly popular. Everyone loves American Idol, and that show is crap. It's crap. <laughs> crap. <laughs> what is it, Sean? Crap. <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know what else. I just I don't said know American Idol. And I nicely. almost just threw up on the microphone. Yeah. American Idol. <laughs> Someone revive Greg. He's choking I on wish, his vomit. I wish I could convey that. I wish we could say that to people so they would they would understand. Like, oh, what do you mean? Well, I think it's like no, it's horrid. If that's the future of television, it makes me feel like an old man because you do sit around going, well, when I used to watch TV, back when the Barney Miller one days. Day, well, because one day we'll be sitting there with our grandkids or something going, when I was your age, television had stories and characters <laughs> yeah, and actors. That's true. Wasn't all this who, who be doobie, who did what to who, and rich kids doing what nots to hoodoos. <laughs> that's where I feel like the future is headed. And the only people on the forefront of keeping that from happening decided to just bench themselves. The Bachelor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh Let's man, a little bit. <laughs> I could, I could go on forever. We'll never do a reality no. show episode because it'll just be just nothing but bile, the throwing up the <laughs> whole time. Nothing but just angry. Just, just. What do you think about this? I'm dehydrated from Stop all the vomiting it. I've done tonight. But I do, and but I, I watch some of that stuff too. Sometimes, like the celebrity ones, it, I find it will funny. hook you. Sometimes, I'm not saying. It will. I'm not saying that, that anybody who likes that kind of stuff likes nothing but crap or that there's anything wrong with people who watch that. Obviously, you know, they, they tap into something and that's what people like. But I don't want to see that become television because I look back at the 70s during the variety show period and it was all crap back in those days. And I fear that, you know, not that we'll go back to variety shows, but I feel like we're going to go back to that just – Practically unscripted, practically practically unintelligible, incoherent lack of narrative that we used to have on television. The television will go back to just appealing to the lowest common denominator and not try to elevate itself. Television has gotten to the point where it's it's almost on a par with film and in some ways better because you actually have more time to tell the story. And then the guys who are actually telling the stories just decide they oh, we're not making enough money. We quit. It's like, okay, we'll play, we'll replace you with nothing but crap that's like one-tenth the cost but makes the same amount of money. What's the sense in that? I don't want us to be angry anymore, so writers, get off your asses and start writing, please. So we don't have to rant. I know. We love you. We're, we're supporting you. This is my, my friendly advice to you. Get to and work. And Hollywood, yes. if you want a scab, we're available. Just putting that out there. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, if you absolutely. don't, yeah. like, feedback. feedback at tvatemydinner.com. Hey, listen to them. We got hey, vampire babies. We'll, we'll develop vampire babies. I will for write you. that tonight. 
I'm, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a part of no damn union. And I will follow it up with what's that other one I we came s- up with? <laughs> I will scab this place. Candy up corn man. The, candy corn. Candy, candy corn man. man. That's the sequel. I'll write that tomorrow. You got two movies by tomorrow night. Just give me a call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get Feedback at tv8mydinner.com. If you guys want to check out us, go to tv8mydinner.com. If you want to check out Greg, go to gregstarks.com. S- S-T-A-R-K-S. Starks. That's a pretty cool last name, man. I wish my last name was Starks. I wish it was just Stark, actually. I think it would be. Well, you, you might ought to consider changing <laughs> it to so Sparks, because that's pretty cool. Greg <laughs> no, Sparks. No, I don't like that. Oh, well. Excuse me. Here, here all three of us. Here, I'm going to change my name to Chance Dark Justice. Brooks is going to become Maverick Lone Star. And Greg can be Lobo McBadass. There Lobo you McBadass. go. Those are, those are going to be – that's how we'll introduce ourselves next week. I said it wrong last week. I think I said that we're YouTube.com slash Dark Crazy, but we're actually Dark Crazy TV. Oh, so you drove all of our traffic so, somewhere else. Way to go, man, Chance. Just do a search for Dark Crazy. Jeez. Way to blow it again, Chance. All right, Hollywood. Just sample. That's what I get for taking a chance on you. Work. Yeah, for real. Go to YouTube. YouTube.com slash Dark Crazy TV. And you'll see some stuff we did back in <laughs> college. You, and, and, you know, in our defense, we did this on like VHS in the 90s. I mean, we didn't have yeah, computers we, and, and stuff. We didn't have all the fancy stuff you YouTube kids have today. And we've gotten better since then. So uh, yeah. we'll work for <laughs> yeah. nothing. And we will literally. Man, if someone wanted me to write something that would be on we TV. We made that stuff for nothing. I would, do for, I would do it for free. I would just to get it, you know my name out there. I did so. the first one for free. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. you know, to get my foot in the door. So Hollywood, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Meanwhile, while we're talking about the quality of television, the like wrestling came on on mute, and I just saw this guy punch another guy straight in the neck. <laughs> I'm like talking about how TV is crap and what's going to happen without writers. But I just see this image of this guy from behind reach up and boom, just uh, get another guy right in the jaw. You know, ironically enough, I bet wrestling, I bet wrestling does have writers. So imagine how have, that's going to happen. You know how bad that's going to get. How do you become a writer I'm for sure wrestling? I'm sure those guys I'd could probably that. ad-lib I, through I, it. I could be a writer for a wrestling show. I will write it Man, all. I don't I'll care. I'll write for a damn toilet paper commercial. I don't care. <laughs> you want? I'll pitch you some reality TV, man. I don't I'll care. I'll write for a hemorrhoid commercial right now. Anyway, <laughs> if, if it's before we debase ourselves any further, if that's possible. I think we've covered it. Okay, well, check us out at tv8mydinner.com. And uh, my name's Brooks. I'm Sean. I'm Greg. Actually, my name is is uh, what is it? Maverick. You're you're Maverick Lone okay, Star. Let's do that again. My name's Maverick. And I'm what my name? You're Lobo McBadass. Oh. Okay. Until next time, I'm Maverick. Right. I'm Chance. I'm Lobo. And <laughs> we'll see you later. McBadass, as in kick your ass. Dog crazy. Don't come!